According to Mount Sinai Hospital, over 90% of women are menopausal by the ages of 55 or 56. And for 5% of the American population, it occurs between the ages of 40 to 45. On a more broader scale, the hospital reports that 80% of women have some symptoms of menopause and some 20% have severe symptoms. Melissa Talekai is an expert helping women navigate menopause naturally without the assistance of hormone replacement therapy or other medications. She is a qualified naturopath, nutritionist, herbalist, and board-certified holistic practitioner. Over the past decade, Melissa has been working with women to help them use natural methods to navigate their symptoms after being told by their physicians that their hot flashes, weight gain, and other premenopausal symptoms can only be treated with hormone replacement therapy and who are looking for a more natural and sustainable option. She provides savvy women with the tools in their toolkit to lose stubborn weight, escape debilitating hot flashes, and rescue the health of their intimate areas. For this native Australian turned American transplant, Melissa has plenty of experience and knowledge on what acceptance in your health, life, and personal journey is supposed to look like. And she joined me this week to share the intimacy of her work, the importance of her passion for it, and how women can reclaim control of their health, their intimate life, and live a more full and rewarding existence. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. take a moment to welcome you to the program and I'm super excited to learn about your work in women's health and how you help them navigate the symptoms of menopause. Happy Women's History Month and happy Friday to you and it's great to see you this afternoon. Thank you Kevin, it's just great to be here. Absolutely. Now Melissa, I know you work with women to help them navigate 
the symptoms and causes of menopause to come out the other side and reclaim sort of their life and their vision. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about all the great work that you do. Oh, thank you. I'd love to. Um, it's, it's something I'm really passionate about. Um, when very early on in practice for me, people, uh, women were coming to me and uh, they'd come in for one reason and they say, oh, by the way, you know, my doctor said that there's only one way to get through this and that's HRT. And they said, surely, surely there's another way. And I said, well, yeah, of, of course there is. So that really spurred me on to, to really educate women about what we can do for our own health and that we don't necessarily have to medicate a normal and natural process, uh, that we can work with it. And, and for 70% of the women in the world, they don't have access to medical care as far as HRT or some of these um, therapies go. So they rely on traditional therapies such as nutrition, herbal medicine, and so on. And, and that's their way through. Yeah, and uh, for a point of clarification, for any of our viewers and listeners who aren't familiar with HRT, I'm wondering if you could give just a quick uh, synopsis of what it is and why it's important. Absolutely. So HRT, HRT stands for Hormone Replacement Therapy. And that's been uh, around for quite some time, but it has evolved also quite a bit over the last decade in particular. And it involves replacing primarily estrogen and progesterone, which are the two female hormones that drop quite dramatically as we go into menopause. In some cases, women are also given testosterone, uh, but there, there are side effects involved and there are risks. And for some women, they decide, well, those, those risks aren't acceptable to me. For other women, they might already have health conditions that exclude them from using these therapies. So they're looking for a natural way through. But it's certainly one option is to use these hormone therapies. And my job is to, to be an advocate for each woman in what they want to do for their body rather than dictating yeah, absolutely. And uh, Melissa, I know you're on a mission to stop women from being medicated unnecessarily and to help them bring their bodies back into harmony naturally. So uh, I'm fascinated with your work. And tell me why it's important to you to give women uh, natural health options as well. Uh, for me, it. it it's a, a very personal thing. I was very heavily medicated as a teenager and that became a pretty ugly downward spiral uh, from antidepressants, uh, tranquilizers like benzodiazepines, uh, migraine medications. Then I was put on contraceptives, not not for reproductive purposes, but because I had abnormal bleeding and pain and 
I actually had a health condition that went undiagnosed for over 13 years because nobody listened. And so I'm really, really passionate about finding out what is going on in the body underneath and how can we support the body to rebalance itself without bringing in a medication that that takes away the body's ability to do, do what it knows how to do best, and that is repair itself and find balance once more. One of the ways I do that is through nutrition, through diet, getting getting rid of the things that have a negative influence on the hormones, and then we can bring in herbs that help the body balance once more, as well as mindset, you know, talking about what's what's the way forward, how should we be approaching this mentally, what's a positive way of framing what we're going through rather than seeing it as, as a negative thing. That's really important for any process. Yeah, absolutely. Step-by-step uh, -step process, you want to make sure you uh, uh, dot your I's and cross your T's, right? Absolutely. And, and, you know, Melissa, at the beginning of our uh, conversation, I mentioned that it was Women's History Month. So I'm curious about what, what the occasion means to you and uh, your definition and how you look at the concept of women's empowerment. Um, women's History Month kind of brings up conflicting feelings for me. Um, the, the very fact that we need to have this month is telling me that we still have a long way to go in recognizing women's contributions and doing that consistently. Uh, I, I married into the Navajo tribe, which is a very matriarchal society. And, and so when I was first introduced to their culture, it was very eye-opening to see how what high esteem women are held in and to hear all the stories of, you know, literally warrior women. Um, and this is a normal part of their their day-to-day -day thing is to acknowledge and hold up women. So, and then you flip back, this back to Western culture where, where we're still fighting for equality in many ways. Um, so I kind of live between those two worlds uh, and I think, we have a long way to go, but it is really wonderful to see the stories being told of women's amazing contributions throughout the world in the various arts and sciences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you mentioned empowerment. Well, I think that comes in many shapes and forms. Uh, and sometimes it can be a very subtle thing, um, like a sense of self-worth and who we are. I think when we have that, we are empowered because we know what we stand for. Um, education is a form of empowerment. Um, being able to hold boundaries in our relationships of what we will and won't accept, all, all of those things to me are empowering. Um, and as a clinician, it's about educating my clients so that they can make informed decisions. I, uh, that's, that's how I see it through my work. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I know that, that you've spent the last a decade helping women sort, sort, sort of make sure that they know what all of their options are when it comes to treat, treating menopause and not necessarily always going with their uh, doctor's first recommendation. So I'm curious to ask you about the importance of empowering women to make their own healthcare decisions when it comes to menopause and how important that, that is in your view. Yeah, I, I think number one um, is I always tell women, ask questions, question everything, whether it's from your doctor, whether it's from myself, whether it's from something you read on the internet, just question. Um, and at the end of the day, it's really about making a decision that is right for yourself, not not that fits into somebody else's agenda or is comfortable for them, but acknowledging that uh, it's their body and it's their choice. And so as far as my work goes, I see myself very much as an advocate for their choices, whether they choose to go down the medical route, the natural route, or take the best of both worlds and use them together because that is absolutely possible too. Um, but just to really empower them to make that individual choice because nobody can tell you what is right for you. It has to come from inside. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Melissa, I'm also curious to ask you about advances in, in the field of treating uh, menopause over the last, say, five to ten years. And what are you most hopeful for and Well, number one, I think, is to reframe our attitude towards it because it's not a fight and it's certainly not a disease. It's a natural process and the body's got so much incredible wisdom within it. Uh, and, the you know, the medical view is, well, these hormones have dropped, so that's causing these symptoms. Let's put them back in and the symptoms will go away. Sometimes that works, many times it doesn't. Uh, there, there have been some big improvements in HRT, I have to say, and that is with the introduction of bioidentical bio and I think, you know, that they're, they're getting closer there and it's becoming safer. Um, I wouldn't say it's completely safe yet. We lack the research on that, but... Um, it's definitely becoming much more individualised so that women are getting much more tailored treatment there. So that's a real positive on the medical side of it. Naturally, I still fall back to the tradition because it's time-tested and proven, and that is to... We can't replace the... Uh, the estrogen and progesterone that have dropped. We can't force that to come up with herbs. But what we can do is there are a whole cascade of other things that go on hormonally uh, that become out of balance 
with these drops, including insulin resistance, and this is why women put on weight, all of a sudden uh, they're not responding to the insulin so well. Their cortisol levels, their stress hormone um, can become too high and that can really send some of these symptoms like the lack of sleep and the hot flushes and the night sweats, they can make them so much worse. So if we address some of these other hormonal pictures going al alongside with it, then, then we can calm down these symptoms so very much in a gentle and supportive way that has no side effects and really helps the body adapt on its own. Yeah, that's an important piece to this puzzle for sure. And Melissa, I want to ask you about the emotional side of dealing with menopause for women who are going through it for the first time or, or have gone through it for years because I know it can be an emotional and sometimes hormonal process for women. So how do you think women can best manage the inevitable emotional side of dealing with a menopause? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, number one, reach out for support. Um, this is incredibly emotional, not only because of the hormone changes which are affecting our mood chemicals, uh, we become much more anxious as our progesterone drops because it influences GABA. Uh, GABA is what I call our chill hormone. It keeps us feeling calm and relaxed. And when progesterone drops, the, the GABA goes along with it and all of a sudden women are feeling anxious and they don't know why. And then as estrogen drops, our serotonin, our happy hormone, can come down with that too. And so we can also have these feelings of depression. Um, so that's kind of the chemical side of it. But then you've got the, the emotions of realising that this reproductive stage of our life is over. And for many women, that's a grieving process um, to, to come to terms with, well, there aren't going to be any more children and some women may never have had children. So, so we grieve that loss of the ability to have babies and we've also been uh, trained by the media to think that we're washed up now and, and it's so untrue. Um, I find this is actually a really creative phase of life and Years ago, I was actually doing some research into it and I discovered um, statistics that the amount of new businesses started, the greatest demographic starting new businesses were women in midlife. So far from things being over, they had this new creativity and were birthing businesses instead of babies. So I think we just need to reframe our attitude in many ways about what this represents and the fact that this, this can be a new beginning, a new doorway for us rather than everything being over. Yeah, absolutely. And I also know that you give women the tools and the knowledge in their toolbox to deal with the side effects or the 
uh, causes of menopause. And I, I'm wondering, when you give women sort of the tools and the knowledge they need to be successful and they come out the other side of this experience and that really shift their mindset. I know that shifting mindset, the mindset around this issue is a large part of the work you do. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about the authentic connection you feel personally about uh, this, uh, with these women and how you help them shift their mindset in general? Yeah, uh, the work I do is tremendously personal. I mean, that there's a connection formed with each woman I work with and it really is a partnership and, and it's a sense of... Um, of building them back up again mm -hmm. and I think when women understand that what they're experiencing is normal, that they're not going crazy, that there's an explanation for the fact that their moods are all over their place and it's not their fault, that alone can lift so much weight off someone uh, and that there's a tremendous shift that happens right there and then when they know I'm not crazy. Um, yeah, my my moods are all over the place and my body's doing things it didn't do before, but it's natural and it's not forever. And my body's literally rewiring itself with these changes. Uh, we we go as women, we go through a second puberty and menopause. You know, the first puberty in, in, in our teen years, the, the hormones go crazy as we they rise up to reproductive levels and then level out. We go through that whole process all over again as they drop back down again. So in a way, it's quite liberating to be able to say, you're going through another puberty, so you get to be a teenager again in many ways. Um, and it's really just changing the narrative around that and encouraging women to to be playful with it again and and to uh really open up to the joy in that and uh let go of the self-doubts and the worries about things all being over and say no 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 new beginning and uh we're going to walk through it together yeah absolutely and you know melissa i think that regaining confidence is a big part of what you help people do, and I certainly appreciate that about you. And I, I'm curious about regaining the confidence in, in the women once they shift that mindset and the importance of reclaiming of a, a piece of themselves and not letting this uh, this uh, symptoms of menopause. <laughs> really take control of their lives. And I know that uh, reclaiming confidence is important to you in terms of what to help women do, isn't it? Uh, it's incredibly important because when you give women tools and show them how much they can actually do from, for themselves by, by making simple shifts in choices, and it's like a light bulb goes on in their eyes, um, and they realise, hey, I can do this. And then when they come in for that next visit and it's like, 
you you see this it's almost like they start to light up because they they know that hey I can do this I've got this and it can only get better now um you know really taking put it, putting power back into somebody's hands with their health is one of the most amazing things you can do for their confidence and when they have confidence with that then then everything changes around that in their life. And I think that's just so beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And Melissa, I'm also curious to ask you about uh, the tools uh, and the knowledge and just shuffling back to that for just a second. Uh, and ask you, if you had to create and sort of carve out a roadmap for any woman who's dealing with menopause for the first time, what are some simple steps that people can take so that they can eliminate stress and also uh, deal with this uh, phase of their life effectively? One of the first things I would say is get rid of the sugar. Um, So many of the things that we go through in menopause, uh, especially these hot flashes and the sweats and the mood swings, if we simply get the sugar and the processed foods out, we'll start to reduce with that one thing alone. And that is powerful because we're reducing inflammation in the body. And I think that applies to anyone, man, woman, child. You know, we get rid of the sugar our body will be so much happier for it. So so that's one of the first things I say. Uh, Another thing that every woman can put in their toolkit is to uh, reduce their alcohol consumption because it does interfere with your liver function and the liver is the master um, processor of our hormones. And it has a hard time if we're putting alcohol in. When we take that out, the change in symptoms can be really, really remarkable. So there's two things there that cost you absolutely nothing uh, and simply involved a, a shift in your diet, more fruits, more vegetables, more lean meats, proteins, healthy fats, and all of a sudden things start to shift on their own without me having to give them a single thing. Yeah, absolutely. And- Melissa, I bet you would agree with me that that dealing with menopause is is a stressful situation for many women who have gone through it for the first time and dealing with the stress of life and the symptoms of menopause can really uh, cause to be a a tremendous intersection where women have a choice to make, right? So I'm wondering... When you work with women to reduce stress and the symptoms of menopause, I'm, I'm curious how you believe that stress is interconnected and lowering the stress of life can also help you deal with the symptoms of menopause as well. Yeah, great question. Um, stress pushes up a hormone called cortisol, and cortisol affects our weight 
It affects our other hormones. It affects our sleep. And if we're not sleeping, my gosh, I mean, I don't know about you, but if but if I'm I'm getting up in the morning and I haven't had enough sleep, I'm not the most pleasant person on the planet. Happened to me um, this morning. So. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So so by regulating that stress, um yeah, it, it's a really big part of the picture. And simple tools for that are. Uh, you know, some people meditate. I personally have a hard time sitting still. Um, so for me, it's going outside and going for a walk or it could be gardening. Uh, but it's something that I can do that takes me out of my head and back into my body. And that can just put us back into that moment and take us out of that projection of, oh, gosh, what's next? What else do I have to do? And that, that monkey mind that, that trickles along and keeps us going. And uh, I think uh, yoga is also a really powerful tool for stress too. Again, putting us back in the body and it's been shown to help regulate our hormones and uh, and a beautiful way of balancing things. And there are some great studies that show yoga and, and also one I came across last week that they did in Iran on menopausal women and all they had them do, the one thing they had them change was to walk. And the the difference in the women that were walking every day compared to the group that wasn't was absolutely remarkable across all of their symptoms. So, again, there's another thing that reduces stress is absolutely free and all of us can start doing. Yeah, absolutely. Melissa, I, I'll share just a, a quick story about myself since you brought up walking. You know, Melissa, I was born, I was born with what's called uh, spastic quadriplegia cerebral palsy. Simply means that I don't have enough oxygen in my legs to walk normally. And I, I, I think walking is the most uh, simplest and most effective form of ex exercise that makes the big difference in my overall lifestyle and can make a big, dif big difference for anyone regardless if you have menopause or not. Would you agree yeah. with that? 100%. I really do. I yeah. And, you know, Melissa, I'm curious to ask you about how do you think uh, on a more broader scale, we can, can all sort of maximize what I call the resilience of life and really maximize every moment of life and view it as an opportunity to better ourselves and each other. Yeah, I, I think resilience is, is so important. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I have a 24-year-old daughter and... I remember watching when she was young at school and they were trying to take the competition out of things and everybody gets a ribbon or everybody's a winner. Now, honestly, I think everybody's a winner for participating in life and getting up when things get us down. But a healthy amount of stress creates resilience. It has a purpose, um, but we we need to learn to manage it uh, but 
But resilience, whether it's physical or mental or emotional, is absolutely so critical. And it's the difference between giving in when something goes wrong or saying, okay, well, that didn't work. So maybe that path forward I thought was the right one isn't. But maybe I just need to reframe the way I do it and take a detour and find another another path to the end result rather than just giving up on it. And if and if we have that courage to say, okay, let's just stop for a moment and think about another way to get there, then, then that's resilience. And sometimes we just need to take a pause and go through those feelings of, of, of being upset and disappointed with something um, and acknowledging those feelings rather than trying to ignore them. And then once we can do that, then it's much easier to move forward with a positive mindset because we've we've allowed ourselves to process that first. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, I'm curious, outside of your day job, what brings you the most passionate in life? Uh, the things that make me happiest are really, I mean, it, it sounds cliche, but making the world a better place. And it's something as simple as wanting to leave everybody with a smile on their face. Um, so always acting with kindness and consideration for other people because we have no idea what someone's going through and that smile could make all the difference in the world to them. Uh, so, so always being compassionate, kind, and I have a really big drive in me to always stand up for the people, not only people but animals and the planet, to stand up for those that don't have a voice. You know, I feel very privileged in this life and... And with that comes a responsibility to help others. Yeah, absolutely. Just building on your last answer, I'm, I'm curious to ask you what inclusion and diversity for all means to you. Good. That's a, that's a really good question. And um, I think going back to, um, you know, marrying into the Navajo tribe, that was something that really opened my eyes to that, um, to, to both inclusion and diversity, because I was almost thrown into a culture that was so alien to the way I'd been brought up. Uh, and, and there I was living on a reservation, you know, the the only Australian woman, that was for sure, and one of the few white people. And most of the white people on the reservation lived uh, in gated communities because they were there uh, working with the medical profession or the school. So they weren't integrated yet. There I was um, living with a native as they did in in quite impoverished conditions, very challenging. You know, our, our water barely trickled. Uh, the, the things people take for granted, we certainly didn't have out there. And it really opened my eyes um, 
to how differently they're treated, uh, especially when we'd go off the reservation um, to to walk into a restaurant and be refused service because my husband was native. It, it was an absolute shock um, that we have such a long way to go about inclusion in the US. And I think unless people experience things like that, you just can't possibly understand how um, it was just very in my face and I thought I, I had no idea just how bad it was. Um, we're all human beings and we all have something to contribute um, in this world and we need to listen to each other and open ourselves up and and to to be brought into a culture that's so rich and has such history and intelligence and lives so well with the planet my gosh as you know as a white woman we have so much to learn from indigenous communities and we need to let go of feelings of knowing it all or knowing better or trying to tell people how to live their life that um that you need all this money or you need all these things when I see people living so simply but so richly in culture. So, I mean, it's it's a huge topic and something I'm pretty passionate about. Um, but every day for me is a learning experience on, on how to do it better. Oh, Melissa, my final question for you it has to do with your own personal and professional legacy and how you want that to be defined. Oh, I think they they intertwine a lot because, I mean, my profession really stems from who I am inside and, and what I want for this world. And and one of the things is to, to be an advocate for others in their choices and, and also to be a voice and um, stand up and say, well, there are other ways and just educate people on that. So just to be able to open eyes and for people to know that they're not alone and that they can make, excuse me, they can make these choices and be supported rather than patronised. So, well, in, you know, in my instance, the medical profession, um, just to see people stand up, feel strong, and if and if I can help them do that, and if I can leave them feeling more empowered and confident in their choices, then I think I've done something towards a better society. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, Melissa, tell me if people want to get connected with the good work that you do uh, surrounding menopause and women's health. What's uh, the best way they can do that? Uh, if they go, I have a website called Hot Flash No More. If they head on over there, they can enter their email and that will get them onto a wait list for my new menopause course and uh, they'll get some information each week on things they can do for themselves in menopause and they'll also get my contact details should they wish to connect personally. 
Fantastic. Well, I really want to thank you for the good work that you do to help women navigate the symptoms of menopause and really optimize their personal uh, and individual health. And I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon to engage in conversation. And I want to thank you for the privilege of your time. It's most appreciated. Well, thank you, Kevin. Likewise, I really appreciate the chance to have these conversations and uh, and the work you're doing.